If you're our guest today, we are busy with a series. In fact, this is the second last part of the series uh, called Recalculate. And the thing is, we all like to follow a better route in life, don't we? If it's your daily commute to and from work, if there was a better route you could follow, one that was quicker, more convenient, less traffic, safer, better roads, etc., we'd all put our hands up and say, yes, I'd like to choose that route, okay? And so the premise behind the series is choosing a better route for our lives to follow in 2020. It's not necessarily a change of destination, but it's about a route um, that, among other things, helps us to grow in Christ-likeness. It's just a better overall journey, okay? And we've been looking at various things. So two weeks ago, we looked at the topic of hurrying less, not being in such a hurry. Today, we're going to move on to a very important topic of habits. We touched on in the first week of a series. But before we get there, I want to finish off something that I didn't quite get around to or was able to complete last Sunday. So last Sunday, we looked at addresses to avoid. Addresses, so it's not necessarily actual physical addresses, although it could be, okay, not street addresses necessarily, but these are places where we tend to trip up. They are stumbling blocks for us. So when we go down that road, when we get to that address, we tend to fall in temptation. It can lead to sin. It can lead to bad habits. Remember, bad habits don't have to be simple things. They're just things that don't really help us in our walk with the Lord and, and bring us closer to Him, all right? Not good for us, not good for those around us. So on the application side last week, if I could have that, there we go. We looked at, the, the question was, practically speaking, how do we avoid going down those roads, going to those addresses where we tend to trip up and stumble, all right? And there are many things we could say, but we got around to the first two last week. The first one was just don't go there. It's the most obvious thing of all, and yet it's so true, isn't it? Sometimes we need some radical action in our lives. It could be cutting out certain things, even dealing with certain relationships that are stumbling blocks for us. And we looked at what Jesus taught on that. That was number one. Number two is who before do. And what that recognizes the importance of what's on the inside. You see, so often we're trying to correct and change our outward behavior, like our habits. But the problem lies inside of us. It could be that you are carrying the scars and the wounds of past hurts, past abuse. It could be that you have believed lies that have been spoken over you by others that have distorted your true identity. And the problem, friends, is that that stuff inside of us shapes how we, how we act. So that causes us to act or to react in certain ways. Who you are, your identity, influences what you do, how you live. So before we can try and fix the outside stuff, we've got to start on the inside. We've got to address things that are going on on the inside of us. All right, so that's kind of where we got up to you. And um, I could say a whole lot more on this. You could catch those podcasts if you needed to, to catch up. But we're going to move on to that third point, point number three, which is plan A. The A stands for ask. Ask for help, okay? Let's be honest. For most of us, that's plan Z, isn't it? The last thing we feel like doing is having to go to someone else and open up and say, I am struggling, please help me, okay? And yet, it can be such a key, such an important step towards breakthrough for us. And James 5 verse 16 says this, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, so to open up and to confess to someone whom you trust can be an important step towards healing and towards liberation. I do emphasize the person you can trust. Do not go to your friend with the gossiping problem, okay? You're looking for a strong, trustworthy Christian friend or leader, someone who you can trust those things to, okay? 
And uh, it's been said before, the act of confessing, what it does, it takes that thing from the darkness and moves it into the light. That very move can strip it of so much power that it actually has over you already. So confession is very important. We need to ask others for help, especially where we keep on going down the same road over and over again. We keep going. We don't want to. We, we know we shouldn't go there, but we keep on going to that same address, okay? That's especially a time to be asking others to help you. So plan A is asking others for help, other people, but it's not only about people. Plan A is especially about asking God for help, about leaning into Him and relying on Him, okay? Now, last Sunday, I mean, there's so much you could say on this as well, but last Sunday, if you're here, we looked at God's role, if you like, or what God does when it comes to us being tempted or tested, okay? And if you were here, I hope that the one thing you came away with was this, okay? That when it comes to temptation and testing, God has done everything possible to set you and I for success. He doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to stand in the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay? So, God is for us, not against us on these things. Now, there's something else that we read that's very encouraging in Galatians 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit. and says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and say it with me, self-control. All right. Here's the thing. When we're trying to stay away from these addresses, okay, we know we shouldn't go there, but once again, we go down the road, we park outside, and we walk into this temptation, into the stumbling block. We come away feeling guilty, and we go and look in the mirror, and what do we usually say to ourselves? I must try harder. I must try harder. And yet, friends, you know, there have been things in your life, I'm sure, where no matter how hard you try, it feels like you just can't break free of this thing. You keep on going down the road. You keep on ending up at that very same address, okay? Now, here we read this incredibly encouraging statement that self-control is part of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but that always seemed like almost like a bit of a contradiction to me. How can it be that God helps me with something that is self-control, that's supposed to be about Greg, okay? And yet he does. And if you've been a believer for a while, I'm sure you've experienced something like this, where you, when you're in a sweet spot with the Lord, maybe you went to own a camp or you were at a conference, you were prayed for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you're just in that amazing sweet spot, you know, where you have your quiet time in the morning. It's like Gabriel himself comes and reads from God's Word to you, and he's like a choir of angels, you kind of float, and I'm just joking, okay, not quite like that, but you, when you are in an amazing place in your journey with God, have you ever noticed this, that temptation suddenly seems very small, so much easier to say no to the things that you need to say no to. It's almost like, here's the thing, it's almost like it just flows. Self-control flows, flows from within you. There's a grace, there's an ease to it. That, my friends, is the Holy Spirit doing that very thing. He's helping us with that fruit of self-control, all right? So I don't want you to leave here. When we be finishing off this point now, please don't leave here today with this thing in your head, I must try harder, okay? No, no, no. We need to surrender more. It's the thing we've been talking about. We need to lean in to God even more, to rely on Him, to see this, something like self-control forming within us, that there's an ease and a grace to actually say no. And so I want to leave you with this picture before we move on to the next main portion for today. Let's say that that's a road that I know I shouldn't go down. There's an address over there that I always stumble in, okay? One of the best ways to avoid it is simply to walk with God. Just keep in step with the Holy Spirit because your Father and the Spirit will never, ever lead you down that road. If you walk with God, you'll just walk on by. Is that, a, is that an easy one? Simple but true. Amen. All right. So now we've caught up from where we needed to be from last week. 
we're going to move on to habits. This will be a shorter message today. We're going to finish a little earlier. So um, habits are our main focus. So when I say the word habit to you, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? How about this? Think of habits. How about that? Notice I did choose like a very cute baby, and you know, that's, they're all cuties. I didn't go for the gross ones. I know we're in church. But anyway, okay? Nose picking is a habit, isn't it? Okay? Yes, it is. It is. Now, my suspicion is when we think of habits, we often tend to view them in a bit of a negative way, okay? And uh, a case in point like that, okay? So here we go. So I had a look on my computer, the dictionary, the main one I use, and I looked up the word habit, and this is what came up. This is what it said. It said, a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Examples, he has an annoying habit of interrupting me or good eating habits. Informal, an addictive practice, especially one of taking drugs, a cocaine habit, okay? I think that kind of confirms my suspicion, wouldn't you say so, okay? Because the first thing, speaking about the tendencies, the practices, is especially one that's hard to give up. That kind of implies it's something that you should give up because it's not so good. The first example giving is an annoying habit before a good one. The next thing speaks about an addictive practice like cocaine. So my point is this. I think very often we tend to view habits a little more negatively than positively, okay? And uh, this can also depend on your personality type, who you are. You might say, Greg, I'm just this ultra-spontaneous person. I just, like, move organically through life, you know? I don't want any restrictive habits saying me down, okay? It might be you, all right? But this is the thing, my friends. Regardless of how positively or negatively we feel about habits, they are a massive part of our lives. Uh, researchers at Duke University found that 40% of what we do every day is actually out of habit, okay? It's actually driven by habits, influenced by, impacted by habit. And right at the end, I'm going to show you that figure is actually higher. I'll show you why, okay? Give you an example. Now, this is the thing. So it plays a big role, an even bigger role than we realize. But let's ask a great question at this stage. Does God have habits? Does God have habits? What do you think, eh? I think we'd have to recognize up front, obviously God can't have habits like we would have them, okay? We would understand them, maybe, things that we would do. Um, one of the big differences, the many, between God and us is that He stands outside of time. He's not limited by our time constraints. Remember, we looked at this verse early in the series, 2 Peter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Not only is God's timing different to ours, but obviously, he stands outside of time. He's not limited by the constraints, time constraints that we are. So you probably won't find God waking up at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Why? Because he never sleeps, okay? God won't get out of bed and then go and make himself a cup of morning tea. Why? Because in heaven, we're going to drink coffee. <laughs> Wink. It's a private joke, sorry. God's not going to go and have a 30-minute quiet time before he gets ready for work. You can understand, God's habits are not going to be like ours. There's going to be a difference, obviously, okay? But this is the interesting thing, friends. When we read the Bible, what we find are like habit-like rhythms in the way that God works and in this universe that he's made. So have a look at creation. If you read the creation accounts in Genesis 1 to 2, in the sequence of what God does, there's almost a rhythm to it, okay? So for instance, you'll read something like this. God will create something. He sees that it's good, and then you'll find something like this, a statement like this one in Genesis 1.13. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day, okay? The next day, same thing. God creates something, sees that it's good, morning and evening, the fourth day. And so it goes until you reach day seven when God rests from his work of creation, okay? So in other words, 
What we see are these rhythms about what God does, and these rhythms persist to this day. I mean, the sunrise and sunset, that'll change from day to day. But every day, every 24-hour period, there's still an evening and there's still a morning. You have four seasons, don't we? Spring, summer, autumn, winter. Whoop, it flips and off it goes again, looping. There are these rhythms and sequences we see in how God works and even in how the universe itself works. So I would say there is something habitual, if you like, maybe even the rhythms that God sometimes follows. Now, habits appear. They are mentioned in the Bible. Very often you won't find the word habit used, but it is speaking about a habit, okay? Interestingly, uh, Eugene Peterson, who writes the message, he uses the word habit more often in his translation of it. So there's some, actually some pearls. He has one for teachers and parents. Proverbs 18, verse 9 in the message says, Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. Here's one to put up on your board, okay? Yes, someone who had a good habit. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 2 in the message says this. There was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea, captain of the Italian guard stationed there. He was a thoroughly good man. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God, was always helping people in need, and had the habit of prayer. What an amazing thing to be able to say that you had the habit of prayer in your life. This is one that we looked at in the very first week of our series. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, here's the thing. God created us for fellowship and community because that is who He is. Within the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there is perfect fellowship and perfect community. God never made us because He was all alone in the universe, okay? There's perfect community, perfect fellowship, and we are made in the image of God, which means that we were created to be relational beings. We were created for fellowship and community first with God and then with one another. Do you know the Bible teaches there's nothing in the Bible that indicates we call to a lone ranger Christianity all on our own. In fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. It teaches that in order for us to grow, we actually need to be in community. That is the way we truly grow in Christ. So we aren't surprised to find verses like this one reminding us that giving up meeting together is not a great habit. But the thing is you can turn around, you can flip it over, and it's got the positive message. So in other words, if you're a regular on a Sunday morning or if you're regular at our evening service or where they, wherever you fellowship, if you're a regular, that is a great Sunday habit to develop. If you're in a small group in the, meet, in the week, meeting in home groups or life groups, whatever you would call them, that is a great habit. If you've got good Christian friends who you regularly get together with to encourage one another, pray for each other, again, that is a great, great habit to develop. All right? So yeah, again, let's bring it all together. There are habit-like rhythms by which God works and by which this universe works, and habits are something in our lives. All right, so let's now ask the question, what is a habit? What's the meaning of the word, okay? Various answers you'll come across to this question, but here's one I found in Craig Grishel's work, which I quite enjoy. He says, a habit is formed when you consistently meet an important need with chosen behavior. A habit is formed when you consistently meet an important need with a chosen behavior. So here it is, friends. Even nose-picking, even nose-picking meets some kind of need. You say, pray tell, what need can that possibly meet? Okay, well, maybe that's your preferred way of keeping your nose clean as opposed to tissues or something like that, okay? Maybe there's some kind of comfort in uh, going after that winner in your nose. I'm joking. Okay, sorry. Sorry. TMI. Sorry. Sorry. Pull it back. Okay? Point is, even our bad habits, there's reasons behind them. There's things that, that needs that are almost met through what we do, Okay? And remember what we shared last week too. We said that 
some of our bad habits are actually an attempt by us to escape from, to cover up pain and hurt on the inside, or an attempt not to have to deal with problems that we know are there. Okay, so habits, there are all kinds of reasons, motivations, and things that are driving them. James Clear says this about habits. He says, a habit is a behavior repeated enough times to become more or less automatic. So in other words, you do it so often that eventually you're on autopilot. You can just, you just do it, okay? Let's pick on nose picking again, all right? So even there, it can become an automatic thing. You might catch yourself picking your nose when there are other people around, okay? It can eventually become this automatic thing that you just do. So remember I said to you that according to researchers at Duke University, about 40% of our behaviors in any day are actually, you can account for habits influencing or impacting or driving them, okay? So habits have a much bigger impact than we often realize, all right? They're far-reaching. Things like how fit or unfit you are, how happy or unhappy you are, how successful you are, however we measure that thing, okay? But the point is, all of these things are influenced by habits in our lives, okay? All of them are influenced by habits. And so, in a moment, I'm going to show you that the actual impact is way more than 40%, okay? But let's, to do that, let's demonstrate by looking at this. You've heard of the domino effect, haven't you? Also call it a chain reaction, where it's a, it's a case where you, you set in motion something so that one event sets off a chain of similar events. So like that, you have a line of dominoes with your finger, you push one over, and then tuk, 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 off they go. A whole chain reaction of events that follow after that. It can work like this with habits. One small, tiny little habit can have a knock-on effect, a domino effect, that influences what you do next and that what you do with that chunk of time that follows afterwards, okay? Sets things in motion, all right? So I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Okay, let's say that you are in the habit of picking up your phone early in the morning or late at night. It takes you a second or two, but that little thing opens up. It's like a gateway to open up and influence what follows afterwards. So let me give you an illustration from my life, okay? Something I'm working on. So my morning routine is when I wake up, get out of bed, I walk across the house to my bathroom. The closest thing I've got to a man cave is my office. It's on the far side of the house. So it's my bathroom that's adjoining it. I go there. Laurie usually gives me a cup of coffee, so I walk through so far, so good. But along the way, I tend to pick up my cell phone. It takes me a second or two. Pick up my phone, okay, and march into the bathroom with my phone, okay. From there, I usually, it's like reading the news for the back first. I turn to the Supersport app, usually go and I catch up on sporting news from around the world and check the weather, go into news sites. Anyway, okay, so I'm reading stuff. Away we go, all right? The problem is about 20 to 30 minutes later, I come staggering out of the bathroom, usually having lost the feeling in my legs, okay? <laughs> staggering like this. Now, I might be an authority on sport events, sorry, TMI. I might be an authority on sport events from around the world, okay? But there's a problem. Houston has a big problem because now, remember last week, two weeks ago, we shared on hurrying less. Now I am hurrying more. I am way behind. I'm trying to catch up. I've got a wife who's not going to be too happy with me and daughters who need to get to school. Can you see that one thing? Just simply one or two seconds picking up my phone has influenced what follows afterwards, okay? And so for you, maybe it's picking up your phone when you go to bed at night. You, you're in bed, your phone's next to you. Reach, a second or two, you reach for your phone, you pick it up. Now that it's in your hand, it's going to determine what follows after that because it could be that you decide to play Candy Crush. Maybe you open up your email and you're starting to go over work emails. Now you're topping and you're lying there thinking and worrying about stuff at work. Or you go to Facebook, you go through the news feed of your 15,000 Facebook friends, you know, catching up on what's going on in their lives. An hour or so later, time you could have slept, 
is gone. It's been wasted. You're with me, okay? I'm not saying this is heavy today, but you can you see a small little thing has such a big impact on our lives, such a big influence, okay? So it could be picking up your phone. It could be picking up the TV room. It could be walking along and pausing next to that cupboard where all the treats are, <laughs> okay? Whatever it is, a small little thing becomes like a gateway, like an entry point that then influences a whole bunch of time after that and what we do from there going forward. So whilst your habits may account for about 40% of your behavior, in actual fact, if you look at what those tiny habits lead to, where they take you to, it's a whole lot more. In fact, James Clear reckons it could be 70, 80, or even more percent of what you spend your time on would then be influenced by your habits. Are you with me? Okay? It's big. It really, really is. Can I say that, by the way, excuse me, during the course of the series, I have been working on that habit. I said there's some things I've been looking to change. So now I really try, as I'm going through in the morning, I try not to pick up my phone, trying to break that habit and uh, carry on. And I must tell you, when I get it right, changes my day. Changes the whole lead into the day. Not so stressed, not so hurried, more relaxed. What I'll sometimes do is, after the bathroom routine, while I'm standing up, pick up my phone, check the weather, quickly look at some sport news, but that takes a few minutes as opposing to losing track of time in the bathroom. You with me? Okay. So, on that note, I want to encourage you, why don't you take stock of the little things, these small little habits in your life that actually have such a big knock-on effect that influence what you do and especially the chunk of time that follows after. Why don't you have a look at that and um, just see. I promise you sometimes just a little, a second or two thing can have such a big difference in your life going forward. All right? You with me? All good. Okay. Next week, I want to actually tell you about another habit it's still early days, but I promise you this thing is having a major impact in my life. But I'll keep you in suspense. You'll have to come next Sunday to hear about that one. Okay. So it's not only about rooting out the bad little habits, the things that negatively impact what we do and how we use our time. It's also about adding in good habits, which we can call keystone habits, which have a positive impact. All right. So the idea of keystone habits was first introduced by Charles Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habits. And according to Duhigg, keystone habits are... Small changes or habits that people introduce in their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their lives, okay? Small little changes or habits that people introduce in their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their lives. So we're now approaching it from another angle. We're not just saying let's filter out the bad stuff. Now we want to look at adding good things, these keystone habits that can have a positive impact. So you might remember in week one, we looked at that thing, the keystone, okay? And in architecture, in an archway, a keystone is the central stone that locks and holds everything in place. All of the other stones, apparently their weight bears towards that one, and with its wedge shape, it locks everything into place. You take the keystone out, and what happens? Okay, comes tumbling down. All right? So very much like the keystone in the arch up there, keystone habits are important habits that help to support other good habits in our lives, and can also positively impact other areas of our lives, all right? So keystone habit is something that gives support to other good habits, and it can have a positive impact on other areas too. So we're going to be talking more about keystone habits next Sunday, okay? Along with some other practical stuff, we're landing the series, as I said, we're going to end off with some really practical stuff, I hope, around habits to finish off. But I do want to say this this morning, okay, that the biggest and the best and the most significant keystone habits in our lives will be those that are focused on Jesus Christ, okay? The biggest, the best. If you're looking at someone who can lock in and hold 
your very life together. Well, that's Jesus, okay? And so I want to say to you, and I'm going to come back to this point now, but why not look for keystone habits that really focus and center on him? So there's another architectural term that the Bible applies to Jesus. We looked at it too in the first week, and he is the cornerstone. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 7, we read this. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, this is about Jesus, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. There it is. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Okay? What is a cornerstone? What is it? So here's a definition for you. It says the cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone thus determining the position of the entire structure. I think what a great picture of Jesus. What a great picture that our very lives are orientated by the cornerstone. Jesus himself is the very one who gives um, balance and structure and definition to the way that our lives are built and put together. Amen? All right? So we're going to be finishing off with this today, okay? How about some homework? Turn to your neighbor and say, yay. Okay, that sounded a little more enthusiastic around. Yeah, but anyway, I know homework gets a nervous twitch for some of you. Brings back some painful memories. But this is good homework, all right? It really, really is. So take some time this week to sit with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit these two areas, okay? And it's things we've just spoken about. So ask Him to show you any small little habits, small little things. Might take a second or two, but they're actually bad things because of the knock-on effect they're having in your life, because of what they open up, like the gateway, what they lead to in terms of what you do next and how you spend or misuse your time that follows, okay? I think sometimes they're obvious, they're no-brainers. I mean, I, in preparation, I read that thing about picking up your cell phone and straight away the conviction, I mean, I just, oh yeah, okay, no, of course, that's me, okay? But maybe there's some things you're not even aware of that God wants to lovingly change, okay? So look for the things to filter out. And the second thing, is to ask the Lord to show you what keystone habits you can already start building into your life. We're going to look at them some more next week. But look at something that you can already start building in that will help you, and especially those that are focused on Jesus himself. Okay, that's what I really want to encourage you, especially those focused on Jesus. So it might be something you're already doing, just to be strengthened and encouraging what you're doing. But it could be some new things. They might be small little things, but again, they have a big impact, a big outworking and influence on how you're living your life going forward from there. I'll remind you of this. Remember, it was said of Cornelius. He was commended for being a man who was, had the habit of prayer. He had the habit of prayer. That's a great one. If you're looking for something to start, why don't you start right there? Some prayer built in as a keystone of your life. I promise you it will hold other things together and change the way your day goes from there forward. All right, cool. Let's pray. We're going to let in prayer. I was standing in worship just reflecting on how to end in prayer today. And just this thing stirred my heart. What we looked at in the very first week, what this is all about. This isn't about a better journey just from a cushy comfort point of view. But it's about, friends, actually stepping into the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. He said the thief, that's the devil, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all Satan can do. And he can only lie in the process too. But Jesus came that we may have life and have life in abundance. And all that we've been talking about over these past six weeks and what we'll finish on next week, it really is about us stepping into more and more that abundant life that Jesus came to give us, the life that is truly life, the best life we could ever live here on earth. And as we do so, 
also growing to be conformed to his image. So I want to invite you just to pray and agree with me in this today and just say, Lord, I want to ask you today to help me to live in a greater measure of the abundant life that you came to bring us. Even this week, Holy Spirit, speak to me about little things, small little habits. They might take a second or two, but I recognize they're things that could be robbing me, things that could be eating away at my time and, and leading me down roads that actually don't help me, that take me away from the life you really want me to live. Show me those things, Lord, and give me the courage and the wisdom to walk free of them. And then, Father, I want to pray that you even now begin to speak to me by your Spirit about keystone habits that I can build into my life, especially those that are focused on your Son, Jesus. Show me what I can do, Lord, to have a big impact and positive change going forward. I pray this too in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And then I want to pray for you today, for anyone here who's in this place where, if I had to put it to you like this, I'd, I'd say to you like this, that your life has felt like it's been about trying to try harder. I just have to try harder. I have to try to be a better person. I have to try my best, and then maybe God will accept me. Friends, the problem is this. No matter how hard we try to be good, every single one of us has already broken the laws of God. Every single one of us, without exception. And so that's why Jesus said there is only one possible way that you can go to get to God, and that is through Jesus himself. Because the Son of God lived the perfect life we could never live, and then at the cross, as we sang about today, he took the punishment for us and upon himself to pay the price in full so that we could go free and that we could have this abundant eternal life. So if that's you today, if that's you today, you've got to raise your hands and say, Jesus, I'm calling on you to save me. There is only one hope, and that's you. I recognize that today. So if that's you, would you pray this prayer to God and mean it with all of your heart? In fact, I'm going to ask as a church, can we pray this prayer out loud today? So everyone's going to be praying it. But when you're praying it, if that's you today, I want you, whether this is the first time you're committing to God, or perhaps it's a return to the Father, perhaps you feel like your life, you've wandered away, you've drifted away, and today's the day of coming back to Him. That's you. Would you pray with us and pray to God with all of your heart? Let's pray together and say, Jesus Christ, you alone can save me. I call on your name to save me. I confess, God, that I've sinned against you. Trying harder is not enough. So save me. Forgive me today for all of my sin. Thank you that you receive me, that you welcome me in, that my past is in the past, and that this day forward, I follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. As we're in this place, I'm going to ask now just if we could stay in this place of prayer, just with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that today, you're one of those people who prayed it. The Bible speaks of a witness. I'd love to witness with you. Would you raise your hand boldly in the air that I can see anyone who does? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Lord. So many hands. It's wonderful. So good to see. I want to pray with you now, especially, and say, Lord, your word makes clear that when one person responds to the good news, there's a party in heaven amongst the angels. So right now, Lord, there must be a very big party. And we just want to thank you, Jesus, again. You are the hero. Jesus, you made this possible for us. And so we thank you that as we choose you, you are faithful to hold on to us. You never let go of us. Now, we want to pray now, Lord, that you would fill every one of these folk with your spirit, that you would cause your word to come alive to them like they've never known it before. Thank you that you would speak to them, guide them, and lead them. And thank you that by your grace, they will follow you as your disciples, Jesus, all the days of their lives. Thank you, Lord, that even now you bring them into the abundant life that you came to bring. Thank you, Lord, for a new day, a new beginning. And we all sit together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a very big hand? And well done to you too. Thank you.